Welcome, everyone, to the Mongols Premier League podcast. I'm Mike. With me, as always, is Kev and Josh. Slow soccer week, guys. I mean, there's no EPL, it, really there's no hounds. Yeah. The highlight really has been, you know, John Krasinski and I did the uh, the Pittsburgh College Soccer Show earlier this week. Uh, there were some big college wins. Um, Pitt women won. Duquesne, both men's and women's team won. So, uh, you know, if you're interested in that, make sure you go over and check out that show. But uh, this show, it's the international break. So, like we said, there was no Premier League. Um, we had, uh, we've been planning for a while to talk about a little bit of fantasy and we have Brandon from the always cheating podcast coming up here in just a bit. But first, you know, we can't talk about fantasy and not talk about Josh was at Hogwarts and air quotes <laughs> in Florida. Yeah, we, uh, went on our family vacation to Orlando. Um, perfect time to go, right? In hurricane <laughs> season. Uh, more on that later. But yeah, so we we went to Epcot, and then we also decided to uh, go to Universal, and that's the thing I was like super looking forward to. Uh, never been there before, and uh, checked out Hogsmeade and uh, Diagon Alley, and that was really cool. It was a lot of fun. Got a wand, you know, did the whole thing. Got a chocolate frog. <laughs> what was your wand made of? Uh, uh, hazel wood. Oh, I good like for that. Teachers. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Was it was it all that you were hoping it would be? It was fantastic. I just, I didn't expect it to be as good as it was and I had high hopes. So <laughs> definitely you're already favorite? thinking what? What was your favorite part? Uh I didn't think the the rides they had there would be all that exciting. I was just looking forward to going to the shops and like seeing how it looks yeah, like sure, you're yeah. in Diagon Alley, but the Escape from Green Gods was well done it was super cool to do and then they have one for hogwarts as well and that was actually like intense i wasn't expecting it i was like oh, okay like a little ride you know virtual ride and they have like a screen in front of you and the seats move i was just expecting that and this was like full on like they strap you in you go almost upside down and like a dragon pops up at you i was like whoa this That's is intense. Awesome. <laughs> so so you know i've been itching to know and I hope you, you have an answer for us. What does butterbeer actually taste like? Butterscotch. I mean, it, it's essentially really? like a butterscotch soda with a froth on top of it, like a butterscotch whip on top of it. It was really good, though. I, I had one, and I was pleasantly surprised. I was going to say, if they sold it here in Pittsburgh, would you buy it again? It's definitely not an everyday drink. It's way too sweet for me. I don't even drink soda usually. I'm, I'm pretty much just black coffee and water is my consumption for liquids throughout the day and beer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, butterbeer was super sweet. So yeah, pr- probably not an everyday drink, but definitely good. Yeah, I, I would totally act a fool after drinking like a couple of pints of but i would act like i'm drunk even though i'm not i'd be stumbling around (laughs) being escorted out by uh universal studios getting kicked out yeah Yeah, and people don't know i i don't have kids or anything like that so it's just like my wife me and my stepbrother we're just like let's just go have fun so we're all like in our 20s and 30s just like we're gonna go to hogsmeade (laughs) yeah and I weigh too much crap because, well, that's what you do. So <laughs> I now have a robe, a wand. <laughs> what was the um? What was the shop that sold all of? Wait, was it the Weasley Brothers shop, or they was there another shop? Big one, it's a, like a joke shop, and they have like yeah. candy. So like they have that there. It's really cool. Um, oh, got a pack so cool. of playing cards there, and uh, next to it was, I forget which candy store it was. It was in Diagon Alley, not in Hogsmeade, but I got a chocolate frog there, and. 
Yep, it was fun. Good. Yeah. And I mean, we'd, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask, you know, everything was okay with the, the hurricane and all of that? Uh, yeah, it, it didn't really hit Orlando all that bad. Um, essentially, most of the family decided to leave a day early. So we lost one day. So we didn't get to go to like Hollywood Studios or something like that. Or, uh, yeah, that's the Disney one. We didn't end up going there. So they left early. But Liz and I were like, yeah, we're on a different flight and they have less scheduled and we didn't want to deal with it. So we decided to stay until Saturday. So the hurricane was hitting on Friday morning. Um, so all day Friday, we're just in the condo looking out the window every once in a while. The wind's kind of hard, but we didn't lose electricity. We didn't lose internet. We just watched a bunch of burn notice, read runs, and stayed inside. So it was not as scary as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> good. So. good, good. Yeah, I know There's I have a couple family members and, and some friends that are in Florida, and we were watching on Facebook to make sure everyone's okay. And, and it didn't even dawn on me until I started seeing your pictures online from, you know, being at Universal and all that. And I was like, ah, oh, man, Josh is there too. Oh, no. <laughs> so. Yeah, Orlando definitely did not get hit hardly at all. So it was not exciting. Well, Just kind of staying inside board, which is a good thing. Good, good, good. So with not a ton going on in soccer this weekend, we wanted to mix things up a bit and talk a little more about fantasy soccer. So please join us in welcoming to the pod from the Always Cheating Podcast, Brandon. Brandon, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. Awesome. I just want to start up by saying I'm a big fan of Pittsburgh. I've been there once, and uh, <laughs> a good I start. live in New York, but I'm a Michigan native, and I felt like it was a great convergence of my Midwest sensibilities with that East Coast splendor. So, nice. uh was it was it a was a uh, a pleasure trip when you came or like did you get to actually? It was yeah anything? yeah visiting friends in this neighborhood of Squirrel Hill. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Yep. Uh, and if I love anything more than the Premier League, it might be arts and crafts homes, and I found them to be in abundance there. So I hope to be back. Yes, we have. Jeez, don't stop talking. You uh, you hit the right note. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I'm We're from Ohio. Yeah, he said he's from Michigan, so I'm already at a bad start. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so for those who aren't familiar with the Always Cheating podcast, I've mentioned it a few times on the show. You know, Brandon, tell us a little bit about you know what you and Josh do over there—not our Josh, your Josh. Um, how you guys yeah. got started, all that good stuff. Yeah, so I co-host Always Cheating with my good friend Josh. He's been my my closest friend for more than a decade now, and. Way back when podcasting first sort of became a thing where it was generally just two guys in a bedroom talking about um, a movie they saw or one time they went bowling together, (laughs) that's kind of what we did. And we got used to these rhythms of podcasting and it got to the point where we'd get together to do our little show and we would not want to do it. We'd rather just talk about our fantasy teams. So we we thought, hey, why not just do a podcast that is all about the fantasy Premier League? And yeah, for the last seven years or so, Josh and I have uh, competed in a small little money fantasy league with some close friends here in New York. And at once, it's it's just uh, a fun thing to do every week. But also, if you're just getting to learn about the Premier League, or you feel like you just follow one team and you want to follow the whole league at large. The fantasy game is just an amazing way to fully immerse yourself and force yourself to sort of negotiate the, the stats of all the, the players and, and judge the form of various teams throughout the like incredibly arduous 38 game weeks. 
So um, what we I, I think that as the as the podcast always cheating, we kind of bring that sort of longtime friends irreverence recording together to gather with uh, sort of uh, cerebral. Cerebral is a little lofty of a word, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> like we try to take it seriously at the same time. So so, yeah, that's always cheating. And it's been fun. This is our second season doing the podcast. And we've we've come to triple our listenership this season. And we're getting people writing into us on Twitter and email from everywhere from Norway to New Zealand to Scotland. And it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. I, yeah, I, I stumbled upon you guys because, you know, you mentioned it's a great way to learn about the Premier League. And, and really, when we decided to do a Premier League show, you know, coming into the season, Josh is an Everton fan. Kevin is a Liverpool fan. I followed various teams all over the world. And really, for some reason, I don't want to say I was averse to the EPL. But when it came time to say we're going to do this, one of the first things I knew we had to do was do fantasy premier league because i knew that it would be a way for me to just get so into it that like i'd have you know there was no way i couldn't learn about all these different players and all these different teams and uh yeah your your hour and a half to two hour show each week definitely helps to uh i've taken it i've taken to calling our extra long episodes going the full 90 because they can at at times be uh as long if not longer than a full soccer match uh but it's true as americans were in an uh a pretty interesting position too in that we don't come to Premier League teams because say I mean some of us certainly do particular particularly uh people have immigrated here uh who have grandparents or parents who are fans of teams but you know if you're just adopting a team newly uh we had a guy in our mini league who uh was born on Merseyside like Liverpool red or dead and he was terrible at fantasy because he That's had right yeah, <laughs> sorry. He, he's still my favorite person. It's all right. <laughs> but he, he had these built-in biases. Like he he would he wasn't able to bring in Eden Hazard into his fantasy team that season, where he was PFA Player of the Year, uh, and he got screwed because of it. And uh, it's bad. funny if you if you have a certain level of a detachment, you're a better you're a better fantasy player somehow. Before we get into all of you know the the. Tons of questions that we have for you. The first one I just want to ask, where did the name Always Cheating come from? <laughs> so uh, it's, a, it's a chant that you can hear at uh, many football grounds around England. I think it's less popular. So I was in Scotland uh, in August, and I uh, met up with a couple of people who were in touch with me through the Always Cheating podcast. And I asked them, are you guys familiar with the Always Cheating chant? And one of the guys said yes, and the other one of the Scotsmen, he said no. So I think it sort of varies uh, who's familiar and who, who is not. But the way it goes is this is what you shout at the opposing team when you feel like they've been cheating or doing, they're doing you wrong. Somebody's uh, playing dirty or they're getting the rub of the green from the ref. You sing this chant to the tune of uh, the Big Ben chimes, and it goes... Same old Arsenal, always cheating. I think Arsenal is the club that popularized the uh, the chant. But uh, I mean, it's just so um, it's just so lovably quaint that we sort of adopted it as our mantra. 
Well, and that now explains you have the music that you play during the show, and it's the same old <laughs> podcast, always cheat. Now I yeah. get it. Okay. Yeah. There you yes. go. Yes. Exactly. The That's where it comes from. <laughs> if you if you're an astute if you're an astute listener, uh, sometimes uh, Saturday mornings you can hear people chanting it at various grounds around the Premier League. So keep your ears peeled. Nice. Got some homework. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll start off the questions here. Um, so not so much fantasy to start out with, but just the Premier League in general. What What's surprised you the most about this season? I, I think what surprises me and probably surprises you guys too is just how wide open the league is so far this season. We had a lot of, you know, top tier management come in and a lot of marquee signings uh, at places like Manchester United and City. But still, the league is just uh, blown wide open. Spurs are still at the top. Liverpool still doing their thing. Teams where you thought were ascendant last season, like West Ham, are really struggling. Uh, it's it's a little hard to judge so so early on in the season. I mean, we're getting to the point where we can't say it's that early on. But uh, the biggest surprise is, yeah, you can't really tell which team is going to show up week to week. I mean, if you had to call it right now, I know we're, <laughs> we're only like seven or eight games in or something. Who, who yeah. would you? Who's your? Who are you tipping to to win? Oh, league? the smart the smart money's on Manchester City, right? Like Pep Guardiola is uh, totally world class, and that squad is in, insanely deep. I mean, just look at the. Mid the midfield signings they made over the summer from Sane to Nolito um, to the guy. Is it? I I've always said Gudungan. Is that correct? I think it's Gudawat Gudau. Yes, my point is proven. (laughs) Yeah, we 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 should just go with Gungadin, which is an old Rudyard Kipling uh, story. So maybe we go with that, but. Yeah, that, that team is just so stacked. But for me, I'm a Fulham fan, so I don't really have a horse in the race. I'm pulling for Spurs this season. I would, uh, I really love that squad. And, uh, I mean, the way they looked against City the last game week, I, you know, I think they could feasibly do it. Yeah, I think there's a few teams that, uh, you know, I, I like you said, I don't have a horse in the race. I sort of came into this and I just figured a team will sort of present itself to me. And it seems that, like, week to week... There's a new team, and I'm like, maybe that's the team. But the past few weeks, it's, you know, I'm torn between Spurs and City and Liverpool, and there's a little bit of Everton in there, Josh. Don't worry. I'm, I'm still going to yeah, get a shot there. Okay. <laughs> no, no, uh, no Swansea, Mike? No, no Swansea. Not yet, no. no. I mean, with the uh, new manager. So I I'm, see how I very poorly segued into my next question that I wanted to ask. <laughs> about Swansea like with that new American manager so <laughs> we wanted to ask you um yeah what are your just general thoughts Bob Bradley newly in charge Swansea first American coach in the Premier League um what w- do you think he's going to be a good fit there how do you think England will respond to him being <laughs> the American coach and, and all that kind of stuff if if the media if the British media is any indication I think they're kind of viewing him as as part sort of prank and part science experiment like they're kind of fascinated by him but they also think it's ridiculous at the same time so we can all agree known as the american manager right i mean he's yeah oh yeah get ready for just like 
terribly broad American jokes. I mean, we probably <laughs> make the same broad English jokes without being cognizant of it. But um, I think it's going to be so hard for him to earn a lot of respect over there. And it's going to be tough for him to get results right out of the gate. They play Arsenal at the Emirates his first yeah. game week. So um, he'll immediately be uh, under the microscope. And he's going to have to be really prudent. And he's going to have to probably play really defensive out of the gate. But, um, you know, the guy's like a total project manager in that American sense. And he had to do this with the national team. And he's kind of had to do it wherever he's gone around the globe. Just take the, this, uh, all these parts and, and find the best way to put them together. I mean, you can say about Swansea, they do have some really compelling players like Gilfie Sigurdsson mm-hmm. and... One of my favorite guys, Jefferson Montero, who, for whatever reason, couldn't break into that lineup at Swansea. I think he's got some potential there. And Borja is a Spanish player that's just now slotted into the starting 11. Um, Lorente, I, I, I think we can all say that guy looks like he's a little bit over the hill to lead the line for Swansea. So I, I think his fate might depend on how Bradley wants to set that team up. And he might just go really defensive and and say he doesn't need a uh, classic number nine uh, before but he wasn't gets wasn't Boria's numbers last season wherever he played I forget where he played but weren't they just like ridiculous and he was scoring goals for fun in whatever league he was in I forget you know I, I you know as well as I do I really don't know the full Boria story uh, you know his story sort of begins at Swansea for me but yeah. Certainly watching him play the last game week, he was linking up with everyone on that squad and he seemed to be their their guiding light. So So and going back to the Bradley thing, I'm kinda of fascinated by this. And I I'm actually I don't think we've talked about this elsewhere on the podcast. Um so Mike and Josh would be interested to hear your opinion too. But I'm very naive about the um I guess waiting line of American coaches is is there another can you know okay so Bob Bradley breaks the glass ceiling he's in Mm -hmm. is there another kind of logical American manager that saying okay like you you could see a pathway into this into this next one I haven't heard of many I mean the first thing comes to mind is the German with Klinsman right now but but like because he's being tipped all over the place when when managers start losing their jobs but uh I don't know yeah uh, Bruce Arena is like a total yeah. American legend, and he's had he's had that insane amount of success with the Galaxy, and he's got that U.S. national team uh, history behind him. But he he hasn't shown any ambition since the MLS to get anywhere out of America. I can't see him wanting to do that at this point in in his career. But there are some young guys like. like especially those guys that came out of the uh, World Cup 94 team. Like Ernie Stewart, he went to Netherlands, where I think he's originally, uh, he's he's part Dutch, and he's been dabbling with club ownership or, or backroom management, and I could see him, I could see him sort of finding a pathway into European management. Uh, or, or Claudia Reyna, who uh, Josh and I, we are season tickets to NYC FC, and Claudia Reyna is, uh, you know, cl- great U.S. Uh, men's number ten, and he is, uh, I believe, their fo- their director of football there at NYC FC, and he's surrounding himself by guys like guys with. Uh, he's surrounding himself with guys like Patrick Vieira, and I don't know, maybe yeah. he gets a little taste for it. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess in terms of Americans, Jason Christ also came to mind, who was at NYCFC, and then that sort of mm. fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other one that sometimes floated around a little bit is, is Ziggy Schmidt, but um, he seems to be, I, I don't want to say past the prime, um, but is, is he even coaching in the MLS now? I know he was with the Sounders and then fell out of favor with him. I don't know if he's still coaching or not, or if he's waiting for a team to show up. I don't know. I really I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Alexi Lawless. There we go. No, I'm yeah, Alexi Lawless. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Alexi Lawless will probably be if he if he's ever tapped for management, he'll probably be as successful as Gary Neville, right? Like, like <laughs> think, thinks he's this mar- marvelous pundit, but as soon as he has to put his ideas into play, he realizes you know, how you how you actually have to people have to really kind of like you, and you have to be. <laughs> so, uh, you know. In terms of fantasy, you know, you focus a lot on individual players, um, you know, in a sport that is really more team-driven than most, when you have 11 guys on the field. But in terms of looking at the numbers and just watching individual players, who has impressed you the most individually this season? Yeah. I th- it's it's interesting that you bring up the fact that it is a team sport, 11 players, but uh, you have to sort of look at it differently from a fantasy perspective and this is a uh, trap you see a lot of first-time fantasy players fall into is a guy like N'Golo Conte who was one of the players of the season for Leicester last season he is a deep-lying midfielder he he focuses on tackles and link play and in the the way the point scoring works with the fantasy game is he's kind of a worthless asset to have on your team so you have to go in knowing that Assists, goals, and clean sheets are king here. Uh, just being a good player is is not really going to cut it if you're looking to get a huge fantasy point haul every week. So, guys, this season, um, just looking at the last uh, four Premier League games, the clear front runner is Hung's is uh, Hung Min Sun for Spurs, and this is a guy who kind of dabbled at the edges of the Spurs quad. Uh, last season, but he's been involved in six goals in the last four Premier League games, and he's just in scorching form. And uh, Spurs losing Harry Kane, there's just no way Son is going to fall out of that lineup. And I mean, he was he was became an integral part of that lineup before Kane went out injured. So Son is is like the fantasy star right now. But another guy who's kind of surprised me with great individual performances this season is Diego Costa. Uh, how did, do you guys have any uh, feelings one way or the other about him? him. He's, he's kind of a fun guy to love. Right? <laughs> Hate him. I, no, I have him on my team, and uh, he's been fantastic. I think I actually made him the captain uh, less, well, not last week, two weeks ago now. Oh, fantastic. I mean, he he's kind of uh, he's kind of defied that Chelsea squad through the season. He's 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 leading the league in goals right now. He's got uh, he's he's got six goals right now. I think. And in the last in like the last three weeks, I feel like he's reined in his his terrible attitude. He's uh, right now he right now he's walking the uh, yellow card tightrope. If he receives a fifth yellow card, he's going to be banned for one match. So uh, you have to be careful that if you actually own Costa in your fantasy squad right now, he's in great form. But if he gets a single yellow card, which, you know, Costa, it's very likely he's going to miss a match. Other must-haves, uh, like Raheem Sterling, 
reborn under Pep Guardiola. Every that's that's clear to see. And another another crazy guy in the same mold as Sterling is Theo Walcott for Arsenal, which uh, you know everyone's kind of been waiting for him to take up. Of course, as we talk about this, I'm sure Theo's form will fall off the face of a cliff. Uh, <laughs> get an injury or something. Yeah, yeah, you're right, right exactly. <laughs> Yeah. In terms of, you know, when you came into this season, you guys obviously did a ton of research looking at players and, you know, trying to map out who is, you know, going to be the studs this year in fantasy. Individually, you know, I guess taking fantasy somewhat into consideration, who do you think has been the biggest disappointment so far this year? Well, the biggest disappointments would have to be like a, a Dimitri Payet and I'm uh, I might be a little unfair to Dimitri because he's coming off of the back of one of the greatest individual goals scored this season for West Ham. <laughs> yeah. um, but he's a guy who everyone built their midfield around him last season, and and he came off of a pretty good showing at the Euros for France. And that West Ham team has just been a, a an absolute cluster for the last uh, seven game weeks. So Pyatt is kind of a, a big disappointment, but I think you'll you'll still see these great flourishes from him through the season. Deli Ali, um, less so. Uh, uh, Josh, my co-host, had him in his fantasy team to start the season, and he was just nowhere to be found, even though Spurs were were doing pretty well. But again, he looks like he's going to be uh, coming back into form now, the way he was playing against City. But uh, I think you guys would agree with me if you talk about Manchester United, all of those guys <laughs> that they brought in, all the hype around Paul Pogba. And, I mean, to be clear, like Pogba almost falls into that N'Golo Conte camp where he's more of a midfield boss, a tackler. And, uh, uh, but he, but he, he, I think for Juventus, he scored nine goals last season. So that's, that's some return. But him and Zlatan, Zlatan is putting up some of the best stats in the entire league, apart from goal-scoring uh, stats. So uh, um, those, those would be my disappointments. What about what, Were there any guys who were excited to see as the season started that just haven't entertained you? I mean, the entire United team is very... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I still have Zlatan on my team, and I'm kind of like, why am I keeping him he's so much money that i could be investing in other players and better players so it's i've true. been tempted a couple times now i'm like ah, maybe i should just trade him yeah i i've been thinking the same thing uh i i'm gonna have to stick with him for a while but yeah uh, guys like zlatan who come in with all that hype they they can be overpriced if they don't perform and then the rest of your team uh value kind of suffers for it for me it was early on coutinho um, I, I was drinking the Kool-Aid um, because, you know, <laughs> Kevin being a Liverpool fan and we had some other Liverpool supporters on and I, you know, I asked the question if, you know, if, if most of these other teams have these superstars that when you go out and buy a jersey, you know, like this is who I'm getting for this team. And I said, Liverpool doesn't really have that. And who would it yeah. be if it was? And they were like, ah, it's got to be Coutinho. Like the guy's just magic. And, <laughs> you know, he's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, honestly, from what I've seen thus far, you know, I'm I'm more impressed with Firmino and, and uh, Mane than what Coutinho has yeah. really been able to do. I mean, it seems every time Coutinho gets the ball, he's shooting it. He's just. Yeah. I don't know if he's missing he's, confidence or something, but yeah, he's been. He, he can be a selfish player, but um, 
he is he he is up there in that conversation with best best Liverpool midfielders, but if you've played the fantasy game with Coutinho for the last few seasons, you know this is what he does. One week he'll score he'll score you twelve to fifteen points, and the next week he'll be off, you know, with a yellow card uh, in the fifth Klopp, Klopp will rotate the heck out of that Liverpool squad through the season. So that midfield is frustrating to invest in. A, because you don't know where the points are going to come from, and B, Klopp is always rotating those guys. I mean, as That's a Liverpool what... fan, as a Liverpool fan, do you, how do you feel about Klopp's management of that squad? I mean, I think he's flawless about it, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> you're going to say I, yeah, that. I, 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 totally, I, I, I totally agree. <laughs> I totally look? agree. Look, I think... If you look at, I would say a large percentage of the Liverpool fan base would probably even still to this day say Sturridge is our best player, or at least our most talented player. And he's not getting a sniff. And and I yeah. think, I mean, Sturridge has been mismanaged, I think, over the past couple of years, coming off a lot of injuries. Klopp is huge on the whole match fitness kind of thing and, and really kind of working players back into that. But I mean, the the fact of, of playing in midfield three with Henderson sitting and Lalana playing in the midfield, I mean, we haven't really seen Lalana play in that role for a very long time. He kind of got around it in Southampton, but he was still kind of more of a number 10. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, I think none of us were really, none of us saw Firmino as, an, as a number nine, but he's kind of playing there. And no, I mean, I, I think the way he's been, the, the only... I think obstacle he has left is the fact that we don't have Europe this season. I mean, yeah. you know, Sturridge, Origi, and we have Ings sitting in the under 23 squad, like scoring hat tricks every week. And so it's <laughs> like, what do you, you know, what do you do if you're Ings? Be like, look, you know, boss, I've, I've been doing everything I can to get in the squad. Like sooner or later, I gotta, I gotta get a game or, or you know, I or, think you, I think you just get more tattoos if you're Ings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can. <laughs> yeah. There's nowhere left to put him. If he came back with just a face tattoo, that would be pretty hard. <laughs> Shay's head. Just yeah. yeah tattoo. Your squad is, your squad is great apart from your defense, which, you know, I think you guys probably made some pretty decent signings. Yeah, Matt Matip looks uh, like a good signing for you guys. It's just yeah. it just has yet to gel. Well, I mean, the other thing is like, look at Milner at left back. Like, yeah, who ever would have called that one? And he's turning yeah. out to be one of the best left backs like we've seen in a long time. Um, hey, Milner's know, also turning out to be a great fantasy asset too, with taking all these penalties. You, you know, yeah. <laughs> although I, I mean, I, I told on. I told Kevin about two weeks ago. I said, okay, look, you know, the way that that uh, Liverpool are playing. They're just setting up outside teams' 18s and looking for ways to get in. And they're getting fouled, it seems like, every game. And if Milner's the one taking them... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. I mean, how, how often can you rely on that, though? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, like, how often do you see penalties? Like, I, I would be curious to see what the record is for, like, most penalties in a season. I don't know. I think that'd be... They've had a lot. I, I'm not relying on that. I'm not going to pull Milner in just for that, but... uh he does have, oh, I, th- I think I think he got like 16 assists last season or something like that. So he has numbers. Yeah. Um, Wait, Ke- Kevin. So Kevin, is it's you that's the Liverpool fan? 
Yes, I'm surprised okay. you didn't ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you give okay, him a so, chance, so just talk forever about Liverpool. <laughs> so I have I have a selfish question for you, Kevin. Do you have yeah. any insight into what's going on with uh, Lalana's groin problem? Because I've got Lalana on my bench right now in my fantasy team, and I I'm not getting any good decent intel on whether he's going to be fully fit. I haven't. There has been no news out of him being injured whatsoever. I think it, okay. uh, after after the post-match, Klopp was asked about Lallana's injury, and he said it was run-of-the-mill kind of stuff. Um, so I think especially it was one of those um, international break comes up and Klopp goes, you know, uh, he's not going to be too fit for England. My guess is he was probably fit for England. But, uh, right, but right. Was, but why risk it? Yeah. yeah. So I, I would – I mean, Lallana – pretty much more than anyone I would say has been kind of Klopp's boy ever since he came in. And I would mm-hmm. fully expect him to, I would, I would expect him to at the very least be on the bench for United, if not start, um, yeah. I would tip him to start. And then I, yeah, I think he's going to get a lot of games from here on out. I love this. I love this. Yeah. You, I think that the Klopp, the Klopp measure of success is how deeply he hugs you uh, <laughs> after the game. And so Lolana has got that one by a long shot. If, if you get a high five, fall off. Yeah. If you high five, put him on your bench. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, guys, I want to talk to you about one other team that's kind of disappointing me. And I think uh, one of the last episodes of your pod I listened to, you were talking about watching a Stoke match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, don't know if you, I don't know if you ended up watching it, but Stoke has been just wildly disappointing this season. And they're, they're a fun team to talk about, particularly from a fantasy angle, because they have lots of great individual players that – just have yet to gel as a team. Uh, so that, that's another uh, sort of shade of cynicism that you have to uh, view the fantasy game through. Like guys like Shakiri and Arnatovich and Bojan, like ex, ex-Barcelona uh, Academy member uh, who's not getting into the squad now. But it's just not happening for them. Arnatovich last year, though, was a great fantasy player. And now he's got he's got he bagged a brace over the international break. So I think some people are looking for that Stoke team to to come together. My my only thing with Stoke is what well, I think historically they've always kind of started slow. And so I I don't know. I mean, hopefully that's just they're starting slow again this season. Because yeah, I have a weird kind of soft spot for Stoke. I I, I don't know why I like Stoke, but I like Stoke. Um, I think I think Hughes is a better manager than what people give him credit for, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, I I think they'll eventually click. I just don't know when really. I, I, I honestly I haven't looked at their schedule, so I don't know what kind of uh, what kind of fixtures they have coming up. But um, they they actually do have a really great run of fixtures coming up. Uh, yeah. Let's see. They they've got Sunderland, Hull, Swansea, West Ham, and Bournemouth in in the next five weeks. So, you know, if it's going to happen, it should happen for them now. I mean, there's a certain, like, American quality about them. They have a chip on their shoulder as just being a, a hoof-it defensive team for so long under Tony Pulis. And, uh, I mean, it, it would be funny. If, uh, it would be a good pairing of Bob Bradley and Stoke City. I yeah. Think. <laughs> I can see that, actually. Yeah. I, I, I don't have a single Stoke player on my team. I, I don't see that changing anytime soon but maybe right i mean they they do have a good run coming up and if they were to pull it together but uh, i'm not taking that chance myself i had yeah, I, I had bojan for a while um because i thought that you know i, I barcelona i used to follow barcelona 
Um, and I still somewhat mm-hmm. do, but I used to follow him much more closely than I do now, just with all the games that we're watching of EPL. And I, I thought he was going to turn around and be something special for them. And, and like you said, he's sort of in and out of the lineup. And so, yeah. signing of Wilford Boney really hurt Boyan's chances of getting into the lineup. They got like a real solid number. I mean, I could. He's he's meant to be solid. He's looked absolutely disastrous ever since he left Swansea. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, not happening for him. I had the uh, Welsh Javi in the middle of my midfield in this uh, <laughs> phase of your, just because I was like, I love Joe Allen. Like, and he was, oh yeah, who doesn't? Yeah, <laughs> he, he was like really good for for Liverpool at the end of the season. I mean, in a fantasy sense, he's not a numbers guy. I think he got like one goal in his <laughs> twenty years. I did. Something, the- we we got some questions on always cheating about Stoke midfielders because of this run they have coming up. So I ran a uh, comparison, like a stats comparison between Arnatovich and Joe Allen, and you'll be thrilled to hear that Joe Allen uh, was far more involved with uh, with goal scoring plays than Arnatovich was. More touches inside the box, he scored uh, two yeah. goals to Arnatovich's one. So, yeah, if you had to pick, Joe Allen's the way to go. He's a really good footballer. I think a lot of people underestimate that. I, I think the other thing I heard was, like, in the Euros, um, he was, like, a core member of that uh, Welsh side. Like, Bale's yeah. a superstar. Ramsey was huge as well. But if you talk to them, like, Joe was, like, the center of the WhatsApp group they had and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. And his hair looks great. So, you, you know. You know <laughs> oh, always, yeah. Uh, always back to the I, hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he scored for Wales over the break, too. So his his rich vein of form continues. <laughs> all right. Um, so I, one of the questions I had is, this is usually the time I usually fall off of a, a fantasy league i usually just kind of end up finding it's harder to stick with it after the first five or six games is is there a strategy involved like does it change does your mindset have to change this far in than what it did with the beginning of the season well it really helps to just be a complete psychopath i think to stick (laughs) with the fantasy game for like nine long months it it is freaking hard and it, and it it is really hard if you're not doing well. So, I mean, it really helps if you're a big Premier League fan or just a big soccer fan. So you've got that covered. <laughs> uh, uh, but I think you had to uh, you do have to change as it goes. And I think for me, it helps to have like a long term plan. You just sort of can't play week to week. Look at your team like the Friday before the game week starts and say, all right, what am I going to do? If you have a long-term plan in place, it makes it easier for you to justify an off game week um, or to get excited about that move you've been sort of strategizing for the last couple of weeks and it finally comes to fruition. Um, Yeah, and it also helps just to have a a friendly rivalry with a friend that can keep you motivated to to beat them. Like Josh and I, my co-host, we've had a... Uh, a friendly, friendly as in fifty bucks <laughs> will change hands, head-to-head rivalry every season. And I could be doing terribly in a game week, but if I still beat Josh, like that's like I'm <laughs> flying, I am flying high. <laughs> so y- you kind of have to have var- varying goals week to week. I-, I think that does help. 
I think my issue has always been that you, you you build this squad at the beginning of the season and you have so much faith in him. You're like, this is going to be great. I built a great team. And then it's like making those changes afterwards and being willing to let people go and being like, well, my strategy is not working. And just having to like rebuild or like, you know, sub out. It just I've already rebuilt my team. Yeah, yeah so I, I used my wild card already. I was like, okay, yeah. this is the one. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Everyone, everyone thinks their team is going to be the best right when the season starts. And you trigger that wild card without hesitation after the second <laughs> or third game week. It's it's the same reason why the transfer window stays open until the end of uh, August, right? Because these the, even the teams in reality don't know what they have. Uh, until the season starts, so it's it's really kind of unfair that we have. To, it's really unfair. <laughs> that we, have, we have to s- stick with these squads uh, for uh, you know with just one free transfer week to week. But yeah, you have to be really cold about the the players on your team. You have to be willing to drop them if they're not performing, because form. Uh, so this is a philosophical issue that you can have about fantasy till you're you're blue in the face form over fixture, and I think I think the majority rule is you play form over fixture, particularly with goal scorers. So uh, you know if you find your you you have players on your team that are just wildly out of form, you have to just drop them like a bad habit as soon as you can, and 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 sometimes it's hard to do like. If you listen to Always Cheating, you know I have this sick, twisted fascination with Sam Vokes, who's a striker for Burnley. He has done nothing for my team <laughs> at all. Um, so it, it kind of does work work, work uh, against me in that he's he's just taking up space on my team. But uh, on the other hand, you know, if you're not doing well, you, it, it would help you to just have a little fun. And for me... <laughs> It's fun to see Sam Vokes week week to week on my squad just for the hell of it. So that that kind of leads me into my into one of the questions. So I, I just as soon as this fantasy league started is right when I was kind of peaking my interest in football manager. I don't know if you guys know that game, but it's like you're the manager of a football team, right? And so I'm all into this whole like team building and all this other stuff. And so you know, generally in fantasy, does it work better to maybe have like a deep squad without with maybe only like one superstar? Or do you just want to kind of pack up your superstars and then like fill in two crap defenders and just kind of run with it and, and go from there? I mean, the first rule is everyone in your 15 man roster should be playing, if not starting uh, every game week. Because you will have uh, mishaps every week where one of your starting 11 doesn't play and you're going to have to sub in somebody off the bench. So, yeah, if you if you just throw a bunch of scrubs on your bench that are cheap but they never play, then that'll bite you. Um, but, and, but that said, you've, you've got to have a very balanced squad. And it's tough to do, particularly if you've got guys like Ibrahimovic and Aguero in your team that... Between them, they suck up more than a third of your budget, I think it is. So if you go heavy on top, it's really hard. And I think a lot of people struggled with it this this season with Ibra and Aguero both being really expensive. You know, what do you do with your midfield? But then along comes your your friend and mine, Etienne Coupou from Watford. <laughs> yep. He scores like four goals in the first five games of the season and He's a cheap-priced midfielder, so you have to jump on a guy like that who's in form 
to balance out uh, the the cheap guys who aren't performing on your team. When do you, when do you I, when do you pull the trigger? Because I'm always so paranoid about that. Because it's like when 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 a guy out of nowhere hits a crazy amount of form, I'm like, it's just a fad. It's gonna pass. Don't jump yeah. on the bandwagon. <laughs> yeah. And I sit there and I you know like I feel bad. Like you know if I ship one of my guys out, it's gonna hurt his feelings, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> And so, you know, I want to give him a shot and make sure he gets in, you know. It's true. The, the, the Kapu thing was just utterly ridiculous, too. I mean, every week, you couldn't believe it. He, this is a guy who scored three goals in the last three seasons he's played in. <laughs> and he was he was like three and three to start this season. So uh, for me, it's all about his price. So f- for your listeners who don't yet play fantasy, which I'm sure they're all going to be playing after they listen to the podcast, <laughs> uh, a player's price will rise and fall based on transfers in or out of uh, various FPL managers' teams. So as soon as you saw Kapu's value start to rise, you knew there was some critical mass there. And even if his form didn't keep up, there would be some value to bring into your team and you could make a little money and then sell them off and and get somebody who was uh, who was banging for him. So that that's sort of like a more shrewd way to think about it is just the the money aspect. Another interesting thing I would say just to just to go back to the question about balancing your squad is looking at like we were talking about this Liverpool midfield or yeah. Manchester City uh, their midfield too with the the points getting spread around. So uh, you have to there is there is a, a buzzword for fantasy called coverage, and you could have some heavy hitters, but you do have to have coverage for at least the top four teams in the league who are going to be scoring goals week in week out. So you've got to have even if you don't have Alexis Sanchez, you've got to have Arsenal coverage. So maybe that means you have Ozil or Walcott, or even you have a Wobi. Uh, you've got to have Man City coverage. Maybe you can't afford Sterling, so you bring in. Heck, I don't know who everyone's expensive on that team, but, I, but I, I, I think you get my drift. So, so maybe you don't have the superstar from every team, but you're looking to get coverage there too. Well, what's the flip side of that though? Like, what what players do you absolutely have to own? Uh, Sergio Aguero is a must own. Uh, I mean, a you lot a lot of people. Yeah, I, was I actually saying, dropped him a couple of weeks ago. Well, in in what was it? Just today or yesterday? It came out that he picked up a a knock. Um, does that give yeah. you any concern? Short term, I mean, <laughs> everyone's having heart palpitations every every time Aguero and Aguero treats his body like it's like it like it's truly made of glass. Like every time he gets a hit on the leg, he falls down and crumples, you know, like a. <laughs> like a like a sack and you think oh there he goes he's going to be out for six weeks um but but when he is playing he's scoring goals so if you don't have him you're absolutely terrified so it just sort of like helps you sleep better just to have Aguero on your team so I feel like you have to have him and uh, and if you're if you're going to say no I'm not going to come to that pressure you've got to have either one of the two Lukaku or Costa if not both because those are uh, both the two informed strikers. Now, Costa, uh, his staff are just a little bit better than Lukaku's, and Everton are coming up onto a trickier run of fixtures than than Chelsea is. I think I think it's kind of debatable who's got the tougher run, but uh, I think Costa's just in better form. 
Um, and and then if you look at the midfield, I think I think you've got to have uh, Deli Ali or, or Hungman San from Spurs, and and take your pick from Liverpool and Arsenal. And absolute must owns in your defense are Spurs and Arsenal right now. And if you're looking to get cheaper value, maybe you go Burnley or um, Southampton. Southampton is not necessarily that much cheaper, but they are uh, also leading the league in clean sheets along with Arsenal and Spurs. So you kind of worked your way back to the keepers there. And so I have another thing going back to this whole football manager. It's like, oh, I have to have a strong spine, good goalkeeper, all this other stuff. It doesn't really translate to fantasy sports too well. So one of my first players that I got when I started this league was De Gea. And I don't know... I don't know if we could have all predicted the kind of start that De Gea might have had. I mean, he's still a world-class goalkeeper, in my opinion, but he hasn't necessarily had games that would prove that. So is it better to kind of maybe you think maybe splash the cash and go for a goalkeeper that is highly likely to get clean sheets, maybe like Lloris? Or is it kind of, eh, I'll take Sunderland's goalkeeper, which is I still think he's doing okay right now as far as like saves or something, but... If know. if my co-host Josh were here, he would have some real um, firm words for you guys about goalkeepers. <laughs> but I would just say that your goalkeeper is your real opportunity to express yourself on your fantasy <laughs> team. I feel like nice. if you look at somebody's fantasy team, who they have in goal is it pretty much tells you what they're all about. Maybe they, nice. maybe they. I mean, I have De Gea in goal myself, which means I'm uh, kind of conservative, uh, but I'm also susceptible to like real-world narratives. Like De Gea is arguably the best goal- goalkeeper in the world, next to guys like Manuel Neuer. But uh, uh, yeah, he's not getting the clean sheet points that you want him to get right now, and he's taking up a lot of money. So I, I think, I think the long view would be that guys like. The expensive guys like Peter Cech and David De Gea, at the end of the season, you'll see they have more points than the Jordan Pickfords and Lucas Fabianskis of the league. I mean, it won't be an immense gulf, but they'll still have more. So you won't look like a fool for sticking with De Gea all season. But then again, Jordan Pickford, uh, he, he logged, I think, six saves against West Brom in the last game week. And he is the cheapest starting goalkeeper in the league right now at 4.0 million. And uh, he, I, I would be perfectly happy starting a guy like him week to week. Yeah. I and, like this expression thing. It's yes. Nice. <laughs> yeah, go, go forth and express yourself. I mean, I, mean I, I just said their names, but if I had to think of the, the cheaper goalkeepers are the ones that are not going to get the clean sheets, but they're going to get the save points. It's right. Fabianski. I, actually, I love him as a goalkeeper. I think he's just like super intelligent, great shot stopper. And Pickford, he's kind of filling that Jack Butlin role from Stoke City last year. You know, he just got called up to the England Scott squad because, um, Burnley's Heaton got picked up an injury and they sent him home. So the, the guy is, uh, you know, now officially world class. <laughs> and, you know, you, you obviously, um, both you and Josh watch a ton of games. Um, and we have started watching a ton of games as well. What is, you know, maybe you don't want to divulge this, but what is the secret <laughs> when you're watching a game to finding those, you know, just right price players that are going to make a difference on your team as opposed to, you know, those of us who flock to 
Coutinho. Or, like, you just sort of see the big splashy plays, and it's like, that's who I want on my team. Is there something in you that's going, no, 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 this is who you really want on that team? Like, how do you sort that out? Yeah, you have to look at the nitty-gritty stuff, like, uh, set, who, who's taking the corner kicks and the set pieces? So we were, we, were, we were having some good laughs talking about Joe Allen a little earlier. But he, he's taking corner kicks for Stoke City, and they've got some big boys on that team. Yep. And if they actually yep. get it together and start scoring off of corner kicks like guys like Ryan Shawcross like to do from time to time, that's an easy assist for Joe Allen. Um, or James Milner, who is the lowest price. Uh, he's close to the lowest price starting midfielder on Liverpool. Hey, he's taking penalty kicks. Therefore, maybe I'll just spend six point five million on James Milner instead of nine on Sadio Mane. And so you look for for things like that, like what are their roles in the team, and then you also just you just want to see who's getting furthest forward or farthest forward. I'm talking about distance here. Um, <laughs> you you want to avoid the like like Conte. Well, though it's interesting. Uh, it, it's it is all in the watching. You're talking about how many games we watch. Conte is actually seems like he's getting farther forward than he was playing for Leicester. Though what he's revealed on Chelsea is that he cannot shoot the ball. He he possesses every element <laughs> of a good footballer apart from shooting the ball. Uh, but yeah, you want guys that are really involved in the attacking play, particularly uh, defenders. A guy I love, Ashley Williams. Uh, who former Swansea man now at Everton? It's kind of it's insane. He he touches the ball on every uh, corner kick that Everton takes. Like he always runs up for the corner, and somehow the ball like magnetically goes to him. He hasn't scored yet this season, but he has come very close. So his his sort of um, his goal expectancy uh, ratio has got to be pretty high right now. So that that is that is what I'm looking for. So in terms of like defenders, you're looking less for guys that are solid defenders with the hopes that they may get a clean sheet just because clean sheets have been so difficult to predict. And it's more or less you want the guys who are going forward and getting in on the action a little bit. Yeah, so there are two different schools with defenders. And uh, you're exactly right in that. I mean, the chief complaint on fantasy, the fantasy Internet uh, which is a dark place. I don't encourage anyone to <laughs> go there. Stay away. Uh, Stay far away. <laughs> every weekend, people are like, where are the clean sheets? And uh, on on the Always Cheating pod, Josh and I have actually been tracking the percentage of clean sheets through the game weeks for the last five seasons. And clean sheets are down this season by almost 10%. So there is definitely a drop-off in clean sheets right now. So how does that impact your fantasy team? Because clean sheets are really the most consistent way your defenders can score points. Well, it makes guys who play on the best defenses in the, in the league that much more valuable, like Arsenal and Spurs. Then you have to look at a guy specifically like Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker is putting so many crosses in for that team. He's so involved in the attack. So even if you get a clean sheet wipeout, where there's just a fluky goal that goes in. I think this happened to them against Middlesbrough. Kyle Walker still ends up with an assist because he's so heavily involved in that attacking play that 
uh, if you're playing him in your squad, you're still coming away with great points, even though you missed out on the clean sheet. However, there is a little thing we need to talk about that is really not fun. Bonus points and the bonus point system. I don't know if you guys have tried to make rhyme or reason of how these points are distributed. I just assumed it was this black magic that, you know, it just sort of happens. (laughs) Sometimes you're bestowed with them and sometimes you're not. And I've tried not to factor that into, you know, my my lineup decisions. Maybe that's that you're probably going to tell me that's the wrong way to go about it. But (laughs) like, yeah, talk us through this. What is explain bonus points? You, uh, I mean, bonus points is really the thing. It's it's like the the matrix ones and zeros code <laughs> that you have to be able to see while you're watching the game. It's just what's happening behind behind the television. So, uh, uh, bonus points are being tracked on every player, and it's everything from you know successful dribbles, successful passes, head clearances, clearances, touches to the box, uh, is created. Uh, and all that stuff. And and a bonus point killer for a guy is unsuccessful take-ons or, or he gets tackled. So if you have an attacking defender, like my friend Kyle Walker, he's getting forward a lot, which uh, by virtue of that, he's going to lose possession. And that's a killer for his, his bonus points. So then that takes us to the other school, which is the central defender. Your Toby Alderweilds, your Jan Vertongans, your... Uh, you're Lauren Koscielny's. These guys, when you get a clean sheet, they are racking up bonus points for uh, clearances, headers, tackles, uh, and they're the ones that are really going to do the business with you. So that's uh, that's what you what you want to think of when you're looking at clean sheets, or just when you're generally uh, scouting players while watching. Is is just how successful are they at the fundamentals? Yeah this this has been fantastic brandon i um, learned so much yeah <laughs> i hope it wasn't like a total info dump no 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 no, no. no. this is what people have been asking for because i think you know like we said there's a lot of people who are new to fantasy in pittsburgh i think partially because not not that we've pushed them into it but we were like hey we're gonna be talking about this so uh get on board and and yeah. that way you won't be bored when we get to this part of the show but um no this has been fantastic and and uh you know we appreciate everything you guys are doing you know you you've giving basically an hour of your time here to come and talk us through you know stepping yeah. away from the ledge that is fantasy <laughs> soccer uh on a weekly yeah, basis it- it, it can be fun and it can be painful, but I think that's that's what being a sports fan is all about, just like pleasure and play, pain mixed up into some sort of delicious cocktail. Yeah, absolutely. So everybody who's been listening, make sure you go over, you check out the Always Cheating podcast. You can find it at alwayscheating.com. Plus, you guys are like everywhere where podcasts are, like iTunes, SoundCloud. You're, you're everywhere. Yeah, so. yeah. Yep, all those links are on our website, alwayscheating.com, if you have trouble finding them. So, yeah, it's all there, and you can join. Uh, we we have a uh, a mini-league that we operate for all our listeners. It's called the Hail Shooters Super League, which you can just click a button on our website to join that so you can actually compete against other other listeners of mongols last in that yeah (laughs) do you guys have a league a mongols league we do we did uh instead of doing it purely points we did uh head-to-head oh nice and so it's it's a little bit smaller but it makes it interesting because we have some you know local professional players and and some people in the media that are all involved so there's a little bit of trash talking that goes on between people on on twitter and things like that which makes it a little bit fun 
But, yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of the head-to-head competition. I think I, I tried to join the Mongols League, and I and you had closed because it was a head-to-head. So I'll I'll get you guys next season. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We look forward to being crushed next year. So, <laughs> <laughs> but absolutely, thanks again, Brandon. We appreciate you coming over, and uh, you know, best of luck with always cheating. It seems to be just like you said, taking off, um, and that's awesome. You know, all the time you guys put into it, it's uh, it, it, it's definitely paying off for you. So that's great. Great. Thank, thanks for listening, and good luck to Mongols, and go go Pittsburgh. A huge, huge fan of the city. <laughs> thanks, man. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, <laughs> so, amazing stuff um, from Brandon. We're, we're going to have to figure out some way to have him back on again, and, and maybe see if we can get Josh on, too. Any immediate reactions? You know, were you guys changing your lineup as we were talking, trying to get players in or out, or anything like that? Doing it right now, Mike. Doing it right now. <laughs> Who are you getting out? <laughs> uh, well, I'm getting out uh, Ibrahimovic. Yeah, and, uh, I yeah. I, I think I think I want to get rid of Stones. I had John Stones, but I mean, I didn't have him at all, traitor. I, I, I feel like <laughs> he was. But my, my my reasoning was like he'll get on the ball a lot. He'll get those kind of bonus points for the possession and the passing and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. It, now I'm convinced. Like I need I need a center back that's gonna like score goals off of headers and things like that. I don't think Stones is going to do that. So, yeah, I think I'm going to I'm going to ship them and see who I can get in for that for that cash. I'm going to get an Arsenal defender. I didn't even I don't have a single Arsenal player on my team. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. So, I'm really thinking about getting rid of Zlatan and uh using that money to split it between a defender and another forward. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Kevin, are you going to express yourself with a goalie now? Is there a team I mean, that you're going to go out and drop De Gea and go get somebody else? Okay. Kind of. No, I mean, I've dropped De Gea with the wildcard switch out. Um, so I have Pickford, which he talked about, and Jakubovic, uh, Hull's goalkeeper. Um, I, I mean, th- it's not super expressive. I mean, I feel like expressive <laughs> is being like pulling in, I don't know, like Mignolet from Liverpool because he's probably going to be the backup. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm not going to do that, but... But yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 happy with kind of crap and like bottom end of the table goalkeepers. Yeah, my goalkeeper I think is uh, Foster or Jakubovic. Yeah, I have both those guys. I I think I just got them because they're cheap. <laughs> well, and I I think that Foster went on like he was really really cheap, and then early on he was the number one goalkeeper in terms of points because I snatched him up pretty early on too. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, a lot of really good stuff. Um, so I'm probably going to be listening to the show multiple times and going back and taking notes on top of my notes, uh, to make sure that I try to correct some things here. So thanks again to Brandon for coming on. Um, real quick, you know, I want to just make sure that we've a shout out. The EPL supporters tournament is coming up fast. It's going to be on November 6th. So far there are two Spurs teams, a Liverpool team, a city team and a Newcastle team. So I know that our, our buddy John Battersby is looking to get at least one more team out there. So Evertonians, Gunners, Hammers, rally your crews. Um, reach out to John Battersby. Let him know that you're in at John Batty 64 on Twitter. So at J-O-H-N-B-A-T-T-Y 64 on Twitter. Um, it's only going to be a few hours on November 6th. Uh, I think you're guaranteed a certain number of games. It's, it's just going to be a good time. There's going to be a lot of us down there playing around. Um, competing you know again to see you know which supporters group has the best supporters in this case on the field not in the stands so <laughs> so josh we got to get an everton team out there we got to make it happen 
Yeah, I'll talk to him. I don't know if I'll see anyone before the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think that pretty much does it for this episode. Is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about? We got a lot of shows Good. coming up, or we got a lot of games coming up that we're going to be covering. Um, so, uh, yeah. Again, thanks, Brandon. Everybody go check out the Always Cheating Podcast. Uh, like I said, it's they they could be longish, but uh, so much good information. And they don't just talk fantasy. They talk a lot of just Premier League in general. So it's it's a lot of really good stuff. Um, so make sure you go give them a follow. And uh, thanks again, guys. You know, we'll yeah. talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later.